Today on The Topping Show, Trump is arrested in Georgia. Trump's mugshot is his first tweet in two years and goes viral. Trump's support group leader is thrown in jail without bail. Bud Light Beer for Breakfast YouTube commercial flops. Anheuser-Busch tweet, sweet sleeping on the job. That's get ratioed in about 18 seconds. And Bud Light 13 days to go tweet, it fails also and also blocks me instantly enough. Bank of America bans Christian charity for their faith. Jordan Peterson is persecuted and has to undergo re-education training. Mercedes AMG CEO says V8 is not returning. Subway is sold to Dunkin' Donuts investor. T-Mobile is laying off 5,000 employees. Sheen to invest in Forever 21. And Wells Fargo has an outage yet again. All of that and much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder released twice a day. Guys say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or business owner and need a little assistance, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also, for the month of August, we're giving away a free flamethrower with every August purchase. And yes, you can attach it to an AR-15. Click the description for more details. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have sad news. You have the Mercedes-AMG CEO saying the V8 will not return. Now, they recently neutered their luxury vehicle by going from the iconic twin-turbo V8 to an inline-four and a six-cylinder hybrid for the AMG, which is supposed to be the pinnacle of Mercedes luxury. AMG, long history of hand-built, great German luxury engines, and no, apparently they will not be returning the V8 twin turbo to the AMG C63 and, e, and E63. This is according to the Mercedes-AMG CEO, Michael Schiebe, who certainly must, must certainly be dead inside, I can only assume. This is an interview he had during with the company by, or an outlet by the name of The Drive at Monterey Car Week. And he said that he can, quote, definitely deny, unquote, that the Mercedes-AMG would bring back the V8 power back to high-performance C-Class and E-Class vehicles. And that means the C63 will keep on having those bastardized engines. Now, it's one of those issues where there's nothing wrong with an inline cylinder, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with a four banger, also known as an inline four engine, internal combustion engine. Heck, I love my Honda Civic Si. It actually comes with a stick shift, as all cars should. Unfortunately, Mercedes long since sold their soul to be mostly boring having automatic transmission decades ago. But it's all about start, to finish, what's the heritage of the brand? The heritage of the Mercedes brand, the AMG brand, for decades was large, big, hand-built engines, lots of power, and you're going from that all the way down to an engine you find on a Honda Civic, which I know they do some special things, so it's got more horsepower. But if you're going, if you're intending to buy a luxury brand like a Mercedes AMG, what would you rather get? Would you rather just get the used one that has the V8? Or you're gonna get a new one that has an inline four or a hybrid V6. That that is beyond ridiculous. Now, I have a semblance of hope, a sliver, small glimmer of hope. Now, my hope is the CEO is lying and he's worried about the Osborne effect. Now, the Osborne effect is a fascinating social phenomenon where it's actually derived because of a business by the name of Osborne, Osborne Computing to be exact. Now, way back in the day, Osborne Computing, they came out with a computer. And they had this computer, just came out. Now, at the time, it was revolutionary. Now, it's kind of comical because it was the size of a briefcase. But it was one of the first portable computers. And 
they said, hey, here's a new computer. It hit the market for, I believe, a couple weeks. And as soon as it hit the market so people could buy it, they released a commercial saying, hey, right around the corner, we're going to we're gonna unveil a new one that has like twice the speed, twice the memory, and it's going to be the same price or something like that. So because people knew the better product was right around the corner, no one bought the original Osborne computer, and the business subsequently went out of it declared bankruptcy. They're no longer around. And to this day, that's known as the Osborne effect. Now, perhaps the CEO of AMG, Mercedes AMG, he's saying this because if he were to come out and say, oh yeah, we're going to bring back the V8, no one is going to buy the current vehicles that are on the lot. Except maybe the two or three environmentalists who want to buy a Mercedes? Like, I don't know who the core market is or who, who is the core customer for this vehicle. I, I can't help but think maybe they don't exist or there's 18 of them in the United States who probably already bought them by now. But... Perhaps he's saying this because he knows they would tank sales if you were to say the V8 is right around the corner. Now, Mercedes has gone back and forth. I believe they're, I forgot we called this, pejoratively known as the, the G-Wagon. Their luxury SUV, which used to be a military vehicle, similar to the Hummer history. But I believe for a brief time, they said it was, you know, for a long time it was a V8. And then one year they announced it was going to go to a smaller engine. Everyone bought the V8. The new one came out, no one bought it. Then they, you know, backtracked and went to the v, back to the V8 because the consumer is right. So it'll be interesting. I hope he's lying because there's something just pathetic about a Mercedes inline four engine for an AMG, which is supposed to be pinnacle, handmade, German engineering. And now I know they put more horsepower, it's got more bells and whistles, but my Honda Civic has an inline four. So, and it has, I would actually argue it's also superior because it's got three pedals, also known as manual transmission, infinitely more fun to drive, but that's just my three cents. It used to be two cents, but 40-year hyperinflation, got to charge three. Although, it is still free to click that subscribe button, try to get to 3,000 subscribers by the end of August. I really appreciate your assistance. Now, other interesting business use, you have Subway, sold to Dunkin' Donuts owner. Now, perhaps this actually makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Both companies make sugar bread. I say that partially as a joke, but there's so much sugar in Subway bread in other countries, I believe also in Ireland, they've, they're sued in court successfully. They can't call it bread. They have to call it confectionery bread or a pastry because there's so much sugar in that crap that other countries consider it a dessert item, which kind of, is a, kind of tells you the nutri nutrition facts of that bread in the United States. Although the marketing used to be pretty good. People thought it was healthy. They've subsequently gone down in popularity, but it looks like they're being sold to that parent company. Maybe it'll get a book deal whether buying their copious amounts of corn syrup or or maybe hopefully they get some real cane sugar. But I digress. It looks like the other company was sold to the investment firm by the name of Rourke Capital. And they're a private equity group that owns a wide array of restaurants, including Dunkin' Donuts. Well, they rebranded it and now it's just Dunkin', which perhaps, you know, not that not not that great of a marketing in my opinion, just because the old name was good and everyone knew it. I guess they just got they thought people were lazy, so they just shortened it perhaps. But it looks like they also own a couple of restaurants, including Sonic and Carvel. I mean, it's a little disappointing because Subway, a lot, they, it really didn't advertise this fact, but it was family owned. It started back in 1965 over in Bridgeport, Connecticut by Fred Dulce and Peter Buck. Tries to say individual owned, not family owned. But it's fascinating. They got, they say this is going to open up tens of thousands of new locations. But globally, I, I just don't see that happening. They're buying a dime brand. So they're investing in a company that's got, been going downhill precipitously the past couple of years. 
there was a peak, I believe, maybe 10 years ago, when you could not throw a brick out of a window without hitting a subway, as well as another subway. There were so many of them because it was so successful. You could print money, basically, by opening up a restaurant. Now, it's one of the worst restaurants when you look at how much they make. So, the last survey came out where they talked about how Chick-fil-A was one of the most successful restaurants because per store, they're making, I believe, $78 million per year. Contrast, I think that, that's revenue, not profit. Contrast that to Subway, their average store income, again, this is revenue, not profit, is $500,000, which is nothing for a, a restaurant store franchise. If you take into account, they have to pay for heating, cooling, internet, electricity. You have the cost of materials in terms of the actual Subway sandwich, all that sugar, a couple of vegetables. You have to pay the employees, their salaries, or their hourly wages. All that adds up. So they're not actually making a lot of profit per store, which is why the, they were actually previously saying, oh, we want less individual owners, more businesses or companies that specifically own 10, 20, 30 Subway stores so they can make a profit because in the aggregate, if you have a little bit of profit per store, it adds up. So they've been going downhill. Jersey, Mike, Jersey Mike's is doing much better with their marketing. They hired Dane DeVito and they got their fresh sliced deli. Subway's playing catch up. They only just now bought, I believe, the fresh deli meat slicers. For years, they just had it pre-sliced, which again, I'm not, a, I'm not a nutrition expert. I don't know if there's anything different in terms of the health benefits of pre-sliced versus sliced, but the consumer perception is that slice is much more fresh and some people I'm sure will argue to the red in the face that it's fresher and it tastes better. Whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter. It's the point of what's a customer perception. So only Subway just now, like I believe two months ago, they said, oh yeah, we're gonna buy some of the slicers to the stores. So they're very much playing catch up. A lot of the stores are old, worn down. And again, they had over market saturation, similar to GameStop. So if anything, I think they're gonna decrease the number of stores overall, maybe have to, I don't know if they have to buy people out of their contracts, their franchise agreements to shut them down. But it'll be interesting to see if they could turn it around. I suspect they'll eventually wanna go for IPO. A lot of these private equity firms, of course, they'll buy the company, they'll either sell it to an off to another company eventually, or they'll do initial public offering, they'll make up their money and make a profit that route as well. So it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, they sold a little bit about $9 billion, which again, to me, I don't know if it's, I'm sure they looked at their books and I'm sure they think it was a great deal, but for such a dying brand, it's going to take a lot of work to turn that ship around. And I don't know if it's really worth the effort. So it'll be interesting to see, but I always say time shall tell. Other interesting business news, you have T-Mobile saying they're going to lay off about 5,000 employees. Now, in terms of the correlation to their overall company, that's going to equate to about 7% of their workforce being laid off. Now, the good news is in terms of the folks who are you know, feet on the streets, kind of working in actual stores, it's not going to affect them mostly. It's going to be mostly the corporate jobs. So a lot of back office logistics and not to sound too pejorative, but there's a lot of fat layers and bureaucracy when it comes to a lot of corporate America. When I used to work at one of the largest tech companies in the world, there, I can swear, there were people who had jobs just for the sake of having jobs. Like there's a reason for them to be there. No one can really tell me why they should be getting a paycheck. But there are thousands of people at these companies. Yeah, it's very hard once you get to a certain company size, unless you're very proficient and very, you're very careful about the growth rates and the job definitions and making sure you get an ROI. There's a lot of jobs that just kind of exist for the sake of existing, as crazy as that sounds. Now, it looks like they're trying to become more and more competitive, trying to go up against the two giant behemoths in the industry, which would be AT&T as well as Verizon. 
But even those companies are struggling just two or three months ago, or no, perhaps six weeks ago, there's an issue where it turns out AT&T as well as Verizon, they had some issues where they actually had lead inside of some of the wiring that they put down because it was industry practice when they did it decades ago. Now they have lead, it was a lead protected wires in the ground. Yeah, uh, spoiler alert, that's not, not so great for the local drinking water supply. So there's gonna be a lot of lawsuits. There's gonna be a lot of, a lot of costs in terms of you have to dig it up and replace it with something else. So it'll be interesting, no one knows really how much is, that's gonna cost. Now, another thing that T-Mobile is going up against, AT&T and Verizon, they both, very similar to the business models of Amazon, they have different business, business segments that can take losses and offset their telecom business. So AT&T, Verizon, they all have television offerings, all phone, um, additional phone offerings. T-Mobile is much more concise. They have, very, they have fewer products to offer, so they can't do the loss leader. Whereas AT&T, if you go to a new home, they could hey say, hey, we're gonna give you cable. Why not buy a house phone if you're you know 58 million years old or something like that? But there's other ways they could supplement and they could offset the losses from one product line to the other product line. T-Mobile, they really can't do that. So when ATT lowers the price of their wireless plans and their cell phone plans, T-Mobile, they can do that partially because other parts of the business can make up for the loss. T-Mobile can't really do that. So it'll be interesting to see, they're trying to get more competitive, they're trying to get more market share, and in doing so, they're trying to cut their costs so they can decrease the cost of the end user and the consumer. But will it be enough to actually attract new customers? It's one of those things where a lot of people, it's a very sticky business in terms of, sticky being a business term where once you get, stick with a product or a service, the, more often than not, the person will stay there. It's very similar to banking. Very, it's more rare for people to actually move to a different bank once they've established one or a relationship with one already. So it'll be interesting to see, is this enough for the T-Mobile to decrease their costs so they compete more with the big boys? Or are they just doing this, I also suspect they're doing this just to cope with the economic uncertainty as a lot of businesses are trying to get more cash reserves so they can have a rainy day fund, so to say. But it'll be interesting to see, they've, they've always been the third, the third place in telecom, but it'll be interesting to see if they can catch up. But I was gonna say, I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a gambler too much for the stock market. Let's just say I won't put my money there. But again, this is not financial advice. Other interesting businesses you have Sheen to invest in Forever Twenty One. Now Sheen is a very large, apparently, fashion e-commerce company with ten thousand employees headquartered in Singapore. As you can tell, I have no idea because I buy one good suit, make it last forever. I know a lot of people just buy clothing like almost weekly, weekly in America, which is. Ridiculous, but I suppose you have to waste your money somehow. Now, it looks like in 2022, the company moved its corporate headquarters from China to Singapore for regulatory and international expansion, as well as financial reasons. So they're also trying to keep up the supply chain, the warehouses in China, because, spoiler alert, a lot of clothes is made there because it's pretty darn good for business. The United States, there's a lot of rules, a lot of regulations, a lot of anti-competitive things. So especially fashion, more often than not, it's made in other countries. So it'll be interesting to see. So Sheen invested enough capital so that they own now one third of Forever 21, which is perhaps one of the few thing, businesses keeping malls alive in the United States. I think the last time I went there was, it's one of those stores you go to like in middle school if you're lucky and get like Forever 21. No, no, I'm thinking of Aeropostale. Forever 21, I think I, I, I think I was lucky enough to maybe go there once or twice as a kid. It's one of those things where it's a luxury, you definitely don't need anything in that store but some people love it apparently. Now, it looks like 
not only will the U.S. branding clothing be available on Sheen's platform, so that'll help Forever 21, so it's one of those things where Sheen is a lot more popular than just a dedicated standalone website for Forever 21 because, of course, Sheen has much more, a lot more variety similar to Amazon, so you can be able to have the product be suggested more often when you're looking at other different competitors, so that's a good advantage. But it looks like Sheen could operate inside Forever 21 stores, interestingly enough, accepting returns, similar to the collaboration you had with Amazon and Kohl's, which is interestingly enough, a good way to actually get people to go to a Kohl's store because they had that relationship where you could drop off returns for Amazon. And you got you go, you walk past the aisles of clothing and apparently some people, again, buy lots of clothing. So they go to Kohl's and go, hey, I'm returning this gift or I'm returning something from Amazon. Why not buy an extra sports, I don't know what people buy these days, pants or sports coats at Kohl's? Whatever they buy. So it'll be interesting to see if this is long-term long-term mutually beneficial agreement or does Sheen just eventually acquire all of Forever 21 because again only one-third of a company is a pretty darn big impressive chunk it'll be interesting to see if they continue to increase that investment and eventually just take it over so it'll be interesting but I always say time shall tell now going over to the culture part of the podcast you have Jordan Peterson forced into re-education 1984 truly is coming to life now I know I tell people do never do not make this a drinking game because subsequently it'd be deadly. I, every time I say 1984, I joke, you take a drink, but you definitely don't because you die. Because unfortunately, more often than not, society is starting to represent 1984, which was supposed to be a made up story about the dystopian future of the world. Although nowadays it seems like the world is almost worse in some ways, which is quite concerning. Now, 1984, one of the most popular things in the book, or one of the most memorable parts of the book is they actually torture the main character until he acquiesces to admit that two plus two equals five. And they torture him until he agrees. That, in a lot of ways, represents modern society where we have many topics in the United States and abroad where if you don't agree with their lack of logic, then you're evil, you're racist, whatever, whatever pejorative term you want to use, they'll use all of them. If you don't acquiesce to their group think, regardless of logic or basic, what used to be common sense. Now, Jordan Peterson is a very famous psychologist. He's written a couple of great books. And unfortunately, he's headquartered in Canada where they don't have free speech. They pretend they do, but they don't. They, I always like to joke, or well, maybe not joke, but they use their facade of being nice for people. They, they almost to be sneaky. Also quite concerning their dictator. I mean, uh, President Trudeau is most likely the son of the Cuban dictator. Yet another reason Cubans probably don't like Canadian leadership, perhaps. He has a lot of policies like Cuba, and there's a reason my family got the hell out of that country as soon as they could. Now, Jordan specifically, this is they're attacking him, and they're actually threatening to take away his psychology license because he had the audacity to say a few things. He said there are two genders. Again, used to be not controversial. Now, very controversial, apparently. He also said that children should not be groomed on social media. He also said that children should not be subjected to drugs that we have no idea what they're doing, such as transition drugs. He also said... Children should not be transitioned without their parental consent, or they shouldn't be transitioned at all, actually. And he also criticized their dictator, I mean, uh, President Julio, oh, I mean, uh, Trudeau, Justin Trudeau. And of course, you actually get fined if you criticize their leader, which is yet another reason to remember they don't have the Bill of Rights in Canada. And it's another rare thing about the United States. Most countries do not have rights as firmly written as we do. And it's quite concerning that some Americans are trying to take those rights away. You would think they'd read a book. Well, actually, no, they probably they don't read history books. Probably, probably that's one of the reasons we have so many problems. Now, 
it looks like he went to Twitter and he's saying he's going to record everything, which I think he should. Now, this is his response and he tweets, or I guess in this case, X, you know, it used to be Twitter, now it's called X. This is Dr. Jordan P. Pearson. He said, quote, so the Ontario Court of Apparel ruled that CP Ontario can pursue their prosecution. If you think you have a right to free speech in Canada, you're delusional. I will make every aspect of the public, and we will make what happens here with our transparency the rule. That's kind of what he sounds like, but much worse because I don't do great impressions. It says, in keeping with transparency, what is transparency? Here's a decision. The courts are captured by woke ideologies. I knew this already, but did not fully understand its extent. It's worse than you think, Elon Musk. My tweets were criticized the transient Sandy and Justin Trudeau, and that punitive reason the judges are progressive, appointed by Judge Trudeau. And all the professions in Canada are so terrified of their, quote, professional regulatory bodies that they, well, yeah, that they are terrified in silence. And even those who are intimidated to be in the matter can't afford the extreme expensive endless fight. Not good. Unquote. That is perhaps not the worst, well, maybe the second worst impression of Jordan Peterson, but I digress. So he's being sued. So not only does he have to take this re-education 1984 indoctrination class, but he has to pay for it. And I think one of the articles is saying it's almost twenty to $25,000. And if he refuses, he loses his license. He can't practice anymore. So it'll be concerning to see how this plays out. He says he's going to record everything. And I think that actually might help the overall situation because that will... that light will bring there'll be a light brought into the darkness that people don't realize what type of classes you're being forced to take in canada if you don't agree with them or if you dare criticize their leadership and it's also once again where it reminds me of the um the south park episode with the concentrate camp the concentration camp of tolerance it's quite fascinating how often south park continues to get things predict the future and also quite concerning and interesting and it'll be interesting to see what happens to Mr. Peterson. As I say, time shall tell. Other interesting culture news. You have Bank of America banning a Christian, actually banned a Christian charity because of their faith. Now, of course, the bank is claiming something else, but there is, there's a couple of reasons we think that's not true. Now, Bank of America claimed they, they don't service debt collection through when a charity, the charity asked them, like, why did you stop this? And... The Bank of America claimed they don't service debt collection, but when the charity said, can you show us in our policy where that is, they couldn't show. Which is saying something because their policies are usually, what, a dictionary length long? How's that not there? Now, it looks like this is specifically for a charity that services impoverished people in the Ugandas. And it looks like it's by the name of Indigenous Advanced Ministries. And they have a their belief system is that they're pro-life, anti-same-sex relationship values, and they claim that they're being debanked because of their conservative beliefs. And it wouldn't be the first time. Now, it looks like the Memphis-based nonprofit, and this is thanks to DailyMail.uk, looks like they filed a complaint to Tennessee Attorney General over the concerns that the account were closed because the bank disagrees with religious values. The organization claims that they had a banking relationship with Bank of America since 2015. So it's not a new customer. Bank of America knew what they were, and they were doing business with them for quite some time. And of course, you know, Bank of America profiting off that relationship as is the relationship with banking. Now, of course, Bank of America, they claim that, oh yeah, they, they're not debanking them because of that. But why, why were they really? If you go down into it even more, 
trying to see here where the actual note is. So Bank of America, their only response was saying, quote, upon review of your accounts, we have determined you're operating, operating a, biz, a business type. We have chosen not to serve in a business type. We have chosen not to service at Bank of America, unquote. But they've been working together since 2015. And all of a sudden, they just, they changed their mind? And at the time, it's not like they were losing money on this business in terms of Bank of America working with this religious organization. At the time, the group uh, indigenous said that they had $270,000 in their bank deposit account. And this charity works with Ugandan ministries to provide support for orphaned and vulnerable children and prisoners in the African country. Well, it should be continent. Typo, perhaps. And under their core beliefs tabs, many people are speculating maybe it's because of their website. Under the core beliefs tab on their website, it endorses a number of evangelical Christian views, including that all human life is sacred from conception to natural death. And also says that marriage is between one man and woman and is, only prop and is the only proper context for sexual relations. And they're writing to their local governments to see, but in all actuality, it's Bank of America. I don't think you're really going to make a debt in that company or have them change their mind because they have quite good legal resources. And although this seems to be religious discrimination, it's going to be hard to prove it. I'm trying to think, unless, unless there's a leaked document inside of Bank of America, but it is strange that you have a company where they have plenty of cash in the bank, so they're not closing their account because of fiscal reasons. Why are they really closing it, though? And again, they said, yeah, they just said uh, the policy, they couldn't show the policy that they claimed. So that that's that's kind of my, my sure sign of, if your policies are the length of a dictionary, and yet you're saying you canceled account because of a policy that's not in there, first of all, that's actually, how is it impossible for something not to be in those long agreement policies? That's fascinating in and of itself. But it'll be interesting to see, does this group get... What happens? Do they get to do they have to go work with another bank? But we're seeing this more and more where people are just mysteriously being debanked, and just complete coincidence. They just all happen to be of the same faith. I'm not seeing any atheists being banned from banks or any Democrat party being you know barred from banking. Interesting how it's only can't help but notice it's only one side of the political aisle. Will that ever be changed? I, I'm pretty skeptical since Republicans and I don't see what they're. I don't see a long list of accomplishments when it comes to them actually doing consumer protection for these type of discriminatory cases, but let me know if you think they'll do anything different this time. I'm fortunately a little bit skeptical, perhaps more than most. Other interesting cultural news, you have Bud Light, 13 days to go on Twitter. That failed, but they also blocked me. So interestingly enough, this was from my personal Twitter account, and all I tweeted, and this was perhaps the innocent of tweet responses, I mean, my response was literally just a picture of a case of Yangling light cans and a case of Yangling regular bottles. And it's a picture in front of an American flag or a carbon fiber, uh, neat carbon fiber flag. And it said to response to me, I said, thanks for the reminder. I just, I, you know, thanks to you. I went out and got some more Yangling. And after that, they blocked me, interestingly enough. Now, my podcast, the topping show, Twitter, that one actually 
responded tweet to a Bud Light last week where I actually did the picture of the meme I made where you had the CEO where I replaced the this is fine meme with the face of Brendan Whitworth, a former CIA operative who is now the CEO of Anderson Bush. And it's him and the caption is, you know, lost $300 million, $390 million in sales. And it's him saying this is fine. They, they didn't ban that account which or block that account. That was interesting enough. They actually, they blocked my individual personal account that just literally said, thanks for the reminder, I'm buying Bud Light. Or I'm not buying Bud Light, I'm buying actual Yaling products. So interesting enough, that was the one they found more offensive, which I thought was interesting. But going back to the actual 13 days to go, it was celebrating you know, 13 days to go to the NFL where you're supposed to drink copious amounts of alcohol because most of the games are so boring. Now, it looks like this boring thir- little 12-second clip of a bunch of Saints fans who... I'm sure there's some good jokes in the comments about how they drink a lot of Bud Light, maybe. But all these statistics are within the first seven hours. And the Bud Light tweet got 42,000 views and 158 likes, which is garbage. That means 0.37% of people who saw it liked it. Now, not to toot my own horn, but when I responded to saying, hey, thanks for the reminder, I'm going to go buy some Yaling, mine got 43 views and one like, which... This is one more than zero, so it's not zero. But even that's one like out of 43 views, that's 2.38%. So even though I barely got any likes, my percentage is infinitely more than theirs. Now, you also had Rick Mooney, or sorry, Rich Mooney, who's he's very popular on the Bud Light um, Twitter universe, where he's consistently the one putting out that poll of saying, hey, you're going to buy Bud Light or the opposite, or you're going to buy you know any other brand. Now, he also said he had a picture of Yaling, uh, a bunch of Yaling cans on you know on ice and he said quote football season is almost here and he said i'll be making mine an all-american yaling flight now he got 783 views and 51 likes which is a 6.51 percent like ratio and i will be interested to see if they ban him i i don't think they will probably maybe because i can't help but notice my bud light videos are also the only ones on my bud light videos and the videos about being censored ironically enough are the only ones on YouTube where the comment section are turned off. And it's not me doing that, it's YouTube doing that. And I know because I'll manually go in and try to turn the comments on because by default, I let them all on. And it'll just default back to disable all. No matter how many times I go in there and manually change it back. Coincidence? Probably not, I don't believe in coincidences. Now, it looks like Rich Mooney also had his poll where he asked, hey, what what are you guys gonna go out and buy this weekend for the game? Are you gonna get Bud Light or anything else. And of his poll, 241 people voted and 91.7% of people said, no Anheuser-Busch in bed for me. So they're going to buy the competitor. So it's interesting. It used to be about 94% when he's doing these polls. And it seems to slowly but surely be moving along. Although that also could be because they're literally blocking everyone who doesn't agree with them. So the three people who still drink Bud Light might be going to Twitter now to voice their support. Maybe. I, I'll just just say I'm a little pessimistic on that theory. Now, other interesting culture news, you have Bud Light YouTube, beer for breakfast. Well, that commercial fails in every metric possible. So it was the same video that they put on Twitter also, where again, this perhaps this shows how much Perhaps it must show how dark and sad your life might be if you actually consume Bud Light. But then the people where they're sitting at the coffee table at a diner, and instead of, they have the coffee mugs, and the waiter comes by and they actually change out the coffee mugs for bottles of Bud Light. Which, 
is yeah day drinking day drinking is something you do like i guess in college or if you have it preposterously um, you have to have a lot of time on your hands or just have a really dark life i think to actually enjoy day drinking but it's one of those strange phenomenons where oh yeah we're gonna take away your coffee and give you a bottle of piss or a bud light i mean which is disgusting personally i i yeah coffee is a thousand million times infinitely better especially in the morning if you're at a diner but there's a commercial talking about, oh yeah, NFL season is right around the corner. Please, for the love of God, buy a product. And of course, I don't think their sales are going to go up at hardly at all during the NFL season. Similar to the 4th of July, where they used to depend on those holidays to boost their sales. And it actually turned out to be their worst sales ever. Now, this specific YouTube video got 13,000 views, which for Bud Light is terrible. This is a brand that millions of Americans know. It's something that almost everyone followed. And now a YouTube video of theirs, they used to get you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of views. Now they're getting 13,000 views. And they only had 17 comments? That's terrible engagement for a multi-trillion dollar company. And they just, or multi-billion dollar company. They, they have lost also billions of stock value as well. But they got 17 comments? Now, there are some, some sites that actually track you know, how many dislikes a YouTube video gets. Because, of course, many suspect is to protect politicians. They got rid of that feature where the end user can easily see it because, you know, can't ha they claim it's because they don't want to hurt creators' feelings. Where, spoiler alert, it's still on the back end logistics. When you look at the YouTube Studio tab, it tells you the ratio. So, it doesn't save anyone's feelings. And that's just ridiculous. So, many people suspect they did it just to protect politicians who are looking terrible. But, a site will still track it. And apparently... Again, this video of 13,000 views, they got the 13,000 views, 62 likes, which is so bad. I can't, I can't even properly articulate how much of a failure that is. So I got 62 likes and 1,300 dislikes. That is the definition of what you would call, call ratioed. 13 or 1,300 dislikes. That's astronomical. How bad. And that just shows you how many people do not forgive them. Because again, they also never really properly apologized and they just pissed everyone off. But the top comments, when you look into it, the top comment is actually Gelman who, note, who notes that statistic and he got 13 or 11 likes. The second one was a gentleman saying, quote, seeing your product sit on the shelves brings laughter and joy to millions, unquote. Now, his comment on the video got five likes. So the top comments by the number of likes were all the ones who didn't like the YouTube video. And it just goes to show you, the boycott is not losing steam. People are still irate with this company. And I don't see them how they're going to pull out this nosedive anytime soon. But as Magic 8-Ball might say, the outlook for them is not so good. Now, other interesting culture news, you have Anheuser-Busch doing another tweet of a sleeping cute Dalmatian, and even that fails, which, again, shows how utterly bad they've failed. Because it takes a special amount of talent to piss people off where even a cute Dalmatian isn't enough to save your brand. Like, they don't even show the beer in the, in the actual tweet. It's literally just a dog sitting on, like, a golf cart. It looks like it's sleeping but that's how much you've alienated your customers. That's how much they've pissed off everyone. 
and also it doesn't make any sense in terms of product placement because there's no product that's actually placed. So they get an F for marketing in that regard as well because they, they don't name the product, they don't show the product. I, I, unless the dog's job is to guard the hops fields or the factory, although that'd be perhaps one of the most useless jobs because who would ever steal Bud Light? I can't imagine how bad your life would have to be where you actually steal Bud Light and then drink it. I mean, that, God, my God, that'd be, that, the amount of bad things to go wrong in your life to be at that point, I, I, couldn't help but, I couldn't help but feel sorry for that soul. Now, it looks like their quote where, you know, where they have this Dalmatian sitting on, dock, on a golf cart, what they said on the textually was, quote, caught someone sleeping on a job. He's cute, though, so we'll allow it, unquote. Which, again, moronic. If it was a fire station, that would be great. But, again, you make debatable beer. It's kind of beer. Mostly piss water and pond water. They, they actually probably save a lot of money with their ingredients. They just go down to the local cesspool, just drink. Yeah, but I digress partially. Now, that tweet was a couple weeks back, and it got 44.5 thousand views. Which, again, their channel, Anheuser-Busch, isn't as popular as Budweiser or Bud Light because Anheuser-Busch is the parent company, and most consumers will follow the individual brands like Bud Light or Budweiser. So I understand they don't have the largest following for that specific account, but of the 44.5 thousand views, they only got 404 likes, which I couldn't even see. IT pun, 404 not found, but... I digress. That like ratio is at 0.91%, also known as terrible. Now, of course, it was ratioed even more when the top comments were all pejorative to the main tweet. Now, one of the top ones with the best ratio was someone who tweeted and they said, what pronouns does he identify with? Which obviously is a pun on the former brand ambassador, Del Mulvaney, which Anna Bush moronic as for the business blunder of the century hired to be a brand ambassador and gave Dylan a commemorative can for being for celebrating allegedly 365 days of being a woman even though Dylan never got the surgery or took the drugs and again is a biological man which is a whole controversy that led to the boycott now that tweet asking what are the dog's pronouns that got 1188 views and it got 95 likes 95 that gives you a ratio of 8%, which 8% is a hell of a lot better than 0.91%. Now, the other top tweet, and this is again going by the number of people who liked it, is another tweet saying, and again, it's, you almost can't laugh at it, or I can't not laugh at this. It says, quote, poor dog doesn't know he works for Budweiser, unquote. That response tweet got 1,250 views and... 92 likes, giving you a ratio of 7.36%. So even the parent company is getting ratioed continually on Twitter. And again, I don't see the how they turn this around. The only theory I've had, and again, this isn't too original because the, the grand founders, the, the founder's grandson who invented Anders Bush uh, Budweiser, he actually offered to buy back the company. And that might be the only way you can gain sales back. And again, that actually wouldn't help InBev because they would spin off the company or they'd sell it. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they would gain in terms of they could sell it for something, but they wouldn't get the upside of the increased sales. So again, there's not much of an incentive to them to do that, except maybe salvage the brand and get something. But I suspect the brand will never go to zero in terms of, of value because there are people still buying it. 
albeit 30% less people, but there's some people out there who apparently are okay with everything they've done. Or they just don't care and they don't mind that they're supporting that company. That's their decision, but the free market shall prevail. We'll be interested to see how much more do sales continue to decrease. They already lost the number one beer of the month. That used to be Bud, Wise, Bud Light, specifically, for 20 years. Unprecedented success. And of course, they shot themselves in the foot brilliantly, thanks to Alyssa Hydrochild, the marketing, the first female marketing manager in the alcohol industry. She bragged about it on her LinkedIn. She's not on LinkedIn anymore. But they're the, the best beer of the month. And then, just a couple days ago, they lost the number one beer of the year in North America, which the year isn't over. That just shows you how much they've gained in sales. They surpassed Bud Light. Because Bud Light, in the beginning of the year, you got January, February, March. Those are three solid months where they sold a bunch of their piss water. Then April 1st came, which was, if they should just come out and say it was a joke because it took place on April 1st, but it was not a joke. It was a, they were intentional. That was a, I was about to say a cognitive decision. I debate how many cognitive decisions Alyssa Hirschild has ever made in her life, or she has the ability to make that, but they, it is an intentional decision, nevertheless, where they chose Dylan Levy to be the brand ambassador, and they've lost 20 to $28 billion in market valuation and $390 million in sales compared to the same time period last year. So they're no longer the number one beer in America of the year and the month. And it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. But they, they said they're going to spend a lot of money on marketing, more than they ever had before. Let's see if any of it works. Or perhaps they'll just provide free entertainment because it's so mediocre, hilarious, and just rudimentary to say the least in terms of marketing strategies. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see, but I always say time shall tell. Now, going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Trump officially arrested in Georgia. And he made bail. So it looks like they set his bond at $200,000 and he paid it. Now, Dan Pagino, another very popular commentator and former Secret Service agent as well, I believe, he actually suggested Trump should just stay in jail. Because that, in terms of moving on his political chessboard, that would have been a huge logistical nightmare for the Democrats. Because they're literally jailing the number one opponent for Joe Biden for the 2024 election. Trump, on average, you look at all these polls, he's between 30 and sometimes 50 points ahead of DeSantis in terms of the Republican nominee. So with all the data we have, and I know election year is a long way away and a lot of things can change, but right now, all the data we have, it looks like he will be the nominee. And it looks like to jail your opponent like that, there'd be a logistical nightmare just because the Secret Service is always with Trump, no matter where he goes. And there's a certain mechanisms where they would actually shut down the whole jail except for him. It's a very a very bizarre situation. It's never never happened before. And they're, they're, this is for allegedly violating the Georgia, or state of Georgia, RICO Act is six counts of criminal conspiracy, criminal cons uh, solicitation, filing false documents, false statements, and... It'll be interesting. So he paid that bail, $200,000, but because he was arrested, they actually took the picture and that broke the internet. But will it stick? The charges are mounting, but I can't help but think a lot of this is just reinvigorating the people who already support him and the people who already hate him. It's just kind of reinvigorating and reinforcing their beliefs because they see him getting arrested. Even though that being said, Hillary, Pence, Obama, they were never arrested for the same many of these same exact charges. So a lot of people would say, wait a minute, that doesn't seem fair. But 
a lot of people unfortunately don't pay, to pay attention to politics or look at both sides of the equations. So a lot of people are just getting reinforced in their beliefs. So it'll be interesting to see what this does to the poll numbers. It's helped out before, but time shall tell. Other interesting political news, after Trump was arrested, the mugshot of the century was taken. Now, when this first came out, a lot of people thought it wasn't real because it was a picture of a picture. So he had his mugshot taken where, like every good man, he did suit up. Always suit up. That's like the first rule of night. So he did look classy. He had his suit on and his face is almost like a, de a determined scowl. And it broke the internet. So Trump hasn't tweeted in about two years. He's actually banned on social media for no legitimate reason, I would say. But Elon Musk brought him back on. So he had the option. He could tweet. Now, he's an investor in Truth or Truth Social, the social media website. So he does a thing where he just truths things, which is an interesting name in and of itself. It's very similar to Twitter, but for mostly his side of the political aisle, it's gaining a lot of attention. It is growing. But the mass market and the mass, the greatest number of people are still on Twitter, now x.x. And this is the first time he tweeted since January 8th, 2021, when he said he would not attend the Biden inauguration. Now, this picture of him, he is brilliant marketing because not only did he tweet the picture of him, but he used text and he's using it to drive campaign funds. Now, it's actually a text he says, it's a picture of him, and he says, quote, Mugshot, August 24, 2023. Election interference, never surrender, DonaldJTrump.com. And if you click it, it'll take you to his website where you can buy merchandise with this picture on it. Brilliantly raising campaign funds. Now, within the first 16 hours of this being posted on Twitter, it got 167.4 million views. Or as he would say, it got more views than anything. It was the best, the most views. I like the best. And the suit. Real men always suit up, as Topping would say. But I digress for now. Perhaps not the worst Trump expression you've heard all year. Perhaps certainly not the best. Now, it also got 1.3 million likes, which is huge. Now, a brilliant way to increase your campaign funds, so is quite a brilliant thing to do because a lot of the people who are already Trump fans, they identify the situation as political persecution because many of these charges, again, similar like the, the files alone or having the files in the wrong places, that is something that Biden, Hillary, as well as Mike Pence, all these all these politicians have classified documents where they shouldn't. Biden have it in a, a garage with his little Corvette. And yet Trump was the only one being charged. It certainly seems unfair. Now, in terms of the Georgia one, he's also being charged because they're saying, oh yeah, he's an election denier as well, which one of the biggest stark contrasts of hypocrisy is Stacey Abrams, still to this day, and she was a Democratic nominee, or uh, she was a Democratic candidate trying to run in Georgia. She lost, but every single time she speaks, every time she's in front of a camera, she's always content, or she's always adamant saying, the election, I, it was robbed for me. I'm the proper governor. I, I, I got that. She's not being charged in any way. So just looking at that on its face, it certainly doesn't seem like a fair, everyone's being treated the same way and everyone's being prosecuted equally. Now, interestingly enough, so you have people on the right who are applauding this. So he's raising, he's brilliantly raising funds, selling merchandise with his face on it. But you also have Democrats and people on the left side of political aisle, they're cheering this on as well because they're using it as evidence saying, see, he is a criminal, he was arrested. So oddly enough, 
this might be one of the few things that brings Americans together because people on the left and people on the right both love this picture. They're both going to use it in political campaign ads. They're going to use this on the left saying, hey, look at evil Trump. He's arrested. He's got a mugshot. And then you have people on the right saying, see, he was arrested. Political prosecution, look at him there. And they're, they're already comparing him to other prominent civil rights leaders who were also arrested. So it, it'll be interesting to see they're both using the same picture. I guess which side makes the most persuasive argument and who has the best marketing to make this picture either look good or evil. It'll be fascinating to see from a marketing perspective, this will be one of the most prolific pictures in the next hundred years. It'll be in the history books. It's the first time this has happened to the United States former president and a presidential candidate. It's also the first time, well, in the United States, the first time you've actually, one of the few times you actually had a, your political nemesis, you just jail them, which is one of the punchline of the reason why many people are comparing the United States to a banana republic. Not the store, the actual social phenomenon or political phenomenon. So it'll be interesting to see who raises more funds off this picture and who has the most positive response to it? And how will it change the pool numbers? It'll be interesting to see, but I always say time shall tell. Now, other interesting political news, you have the director of Black Voices for Trump held in jail without bail. Now, this specific gentleman is by the name of Harrison Floyd. He becomes the first MAGA ally to be booked behind bars in the Georgia election fraud case. Now, it looks like he's being held without bond as well. He's being charged with racketeering conspiracy to, to solicit false statements and influencing witnesses. Now, he's accused of pressuring a poll worker by the name of Ruby Freeman to confess the voter fraud crimes she didn't commit alongside former publicist, a former publicist of Kanye West. And this, again, is being same county uh, Trump is like it is in Fulton County, Georgia. And it looks like he didn't renegotiate his bond. And you're also having a couple other folks. You have Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, also surrounding in Georgia, although released under a $100,000 bond. Now, earlier this year, this gentleman Floyd was charged and attacked by an FBI agent who was working on a special counsel Jack Smith's parallel probe in the 2020 election interference by Trump and his allies. This is according to the Washington Post. And the affidavit said, Floyd body slammed an agent who arrived at his Rockville, Maryland home to subpoena him to appear before a federal grand jury in Washington, D.C. And he said, allegedly he said, quote, who the F do you think you are, unquote, as, as he was standing chest to chest after the agent knocked him backward with his body. Knocked him back, backward with his body. So it'll be interesting to see, because there's a lot of nuances when it comes to any police interaction. I don't know if this person had police gear on, if they were identifying themselves. If they're not, you're probably concerned of who is this person I don't know on the property. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But it also looks like he, in terms of the interference, it says Freeman and her daughter Shane West gave testimony that House Collection Committee on January 6th were subject to conspiracy theory echoed by Trump and his allies and says they were falsely accused of pulling, of pulling phony mail-in ballots from suitcases. Freeman and Moss. Suitcases while tabulating election day Atlanta's area. So yet another former Trump ally who's being jailed and it looks like he's also, for the intimidation, it'll be interesting to see, and again, it's hard to prove intent or someone's, you know, what someone's thinking inside. It appears as if he saw someone who he, 
who he interpreted as cheating in terms of voter, um, the actual the voting process. So he allegedly attacked the person, which again, obviously, there's never any rights for, or there's never justification for that type of violence in that situation. But I don't know, it'll be interesting to see how the prosecution goes. But it's fascinating to see yet another Trump ally arrested. Again, we've never seen this on the opposite side of the political aisle. We've, we, Republicans are really good at sending letters, but not actually doing anything. So it'll be interesting to see as this fascinating, complex whole situation around the 2020 election comes back to light. Another interesting thing people probably ask us, why did you wait three years for all these filings? Sir sure seems like opportune timing, but who knows? As I always say, time shall tell. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Wells Fargo has outages yet again. Now, looks like this is last Friday. Customers reported um, system outages, having an inability to use their cards issued by the bank, as well as the payment app Zelle or the Wells Fargo app and their website. So I don't know if they had a a cybersecurity or they had a, a cyber attack, but you have all those things happen at once. And again, your bank, you have you have a pretty simple job. You transact money, you, you're supposed to make sure your customers can reach their capital and actually make purchases. Now, it looks like they, Wells Fargo did acknowledge they had, quote, intermittent issues with certain transactions, unquote. And also interestingly enough, there's a more negative news for Wells Fargo, they had also last Friday, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission said Wells Fargo had agreed to pay a $35 million penalty to settle accusations that it overcharged investment clients by nearly $27 million. Astonishing. So they have all these outages again and again and again. I don't know if they're not fixing it or if they're just putting duct tape on the problem. Well, actually, no. I, I, duct tape is actually a very strong substitute to bringing things together. Perhaps um, dollar store scotch tape? So not Scotch tape, the off-brand off label of Scotch tape. Perhaps it's something like that where they're just basically just trying to keep stuff held together. But it doesn't seem like they're fixing the issue. And again, imagine not being able to pay for your groceries or buy something at the store. In your, your bank, you have one job. But to have that type of outages again and again and again, that's got to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in. Again, we're trying to get to 3,000 subscribers by the end of August, so you can click that button and greatly appreciate it. Also, don't get to take the time to like as well as comment. The feedback is greatly appreciated. It helps the channel grow and develop. Also, and lastly, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.